This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. these books i thought i'd take some light reading in case i got bored welcome everyone to trek fm's dedicated books and comic show i am just one of the hosts here uh only one and the reason is is because we have three and there shall be three and three shall be the number that we shall have and of course first in this number myself matthew rushing second in that number the illustrious Dan Gunther. Hello. Oh. Three shall be the counting. Hello. Four. And three shall be the... Four is Not four. Much. Five is right out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But three, that is right. Number three, but not least, the amazing Bruce Gibson. Uh, hello. How are you? Wow, you don't sound so amazing, Bruce. Well, last night I met up with Larry Nemechek. And we pigged out on nachos and chili cheese fries. And <laughs> it took us a while to get up from the table because it was just weighing us down. <laughs> nice. Hanging out with Dr. Trek himself. Oh, uh, Bruce is just a jet setter. <laughs> I mean, one minute he's in like France and, and then in, in London. Next minute, you know, he's in L.A. You never know where the guy's going to be. He's like Carmen San Diego. Yeah, that's right. Try to find me. I think no one else could benefit more from the invention of the transporter than this guy. Because, man. Yeah. Next thing I hear, he's going to be in, like, New York, going to New York Comic Con. Well, oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Still trying to decide on that one. And here I am in northern Alberta like a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wave at you from Aww. the plane. <laughs> Well, before I just continue with my insane jealousy of Bruce and his jet setting, we got a brand new comic, uh, a brand new series that just started, uh, Waypoint Part 1, or just Waypoint Number 1. And uh, there are two stories in this comic, and um, the first story there is a, I guess, um, after the nebula has blown up, from the Kelvin timeline, moving on forward, we've got an Enterprise story with Captain, not Captain Data. Captain Jordy LaForge, perhaps? That's it. That's it. Yes, Captain Jordy LaForge, which was kind of shocking to me. I was expecting them to continue on with, you know, I mean, having Captain Data. But mm. let's just say there are a fistful of Datas in this comic. 
So yeah, this was ah, this was a really fascinating one. So I guess Data's body has degraded, uh, according to this, and uh, he's been uploaded into the Enterprise's computer, and now generates holograms of himself to kind of fulfill almost all the bridge roles except captain, I guess. Uh, Jordy mentions there's another crew somewhere on the ship. I don't know where he's keeping them though. That's kind of weird. Maybe he just like has a chef for himself or something. That's his crew. <laughs> a chef played by Jonathan Frakes for some reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah, strangely enough, it looks just like Riker. <laughs> and all he wants to do is talk about trip. <laughs> yeah. That and prop his leg up on things while he's cooking, which is really insanitary. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is really cool. Like if they're using this first story to kind of show what they can do with this comic, I mean, mission accomplished, like... There really is no kind of boundary for what kind of story they can tell with the Star Trek universe here. If this is any indication, that's pretty cool. Well, they got me because the cover shows the next generation cast on the transporter and it's from the next generation TV show days. It's the uniforms that we saw on the show. And I mean, I knew that we were getting this type of story, but I wasn't thinking about it when I opened it. And then all of a sudden... I'm like, whoa, wait, whoa, yeah, I forgot. There's a bunch of, yeah, fistful of datas, and we have Captain LaForge. So I was trying to figure out, I mean, we're not really told a time period. We don't know exactly when this takes place, and I'm not even sure. I don't even think that's the Enterprise E. It, Yeah, it, it does look like it's been, I don't know, retrofitted, because it's kind of Enterprise E-ish, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe it's like their version of the Enterprise f or something who knows yeah it definitely yeah. looks beyond like if you there's we get a couple good shots of the ship and yeah it's definitely wildly different from what we've seen before yeah it actually reminds me of do you remember the enterprise e drawings that john eves did and it had those kind of forward thrusting nacelles like that mm -hmm. uh, it reminds me of some of those early drawings uh, so i think that's probably where they got the idea of maybe this had been retrofitted and, and i don't know maybe the enterprise in this has slipstream or something mm -hmm. so that that was that was my headcanon going on as i was reading it well i love um, that they don't really nail it down either kind of giving you the space to you know speculate like what is this what are we seeing I, I thought that was kind of a cool way way to uh, bring us into the story yeah i like that we really don't know all those answers we just know that it's some possible timeline future timeline it's a alternate universe or I, you know who knows we just know it's not what we've been seeing uh after the events of nemesis in either comics or novels or star trek online so it's something completely different yet it's familiar and easy to jump into and now for something completely different a ship run by data <laughs> all the datas um no i really think that this is an interesting way to start off the series because you know this reminds me a lot of the star wars visionary comics where they were basically telling elseworld stories of what if this had happened in star wars so it's just like pulling you know, crap out of a hat <laughs> mm -hmm. and and just putting it on paper of like the craziest things you could think of. And that's kind of what this feels like in, in this first comic. What's one of the most interesting, odd, crazy ideas that we can think of? Let's do that, you know? And, and I think that's kind of fun because, you know, it, it keeps you coming back every time. It's not going to feel rote. It's not going to feel... Um, 
boring, I think. It's always going to feel a little bit fresh. Now, you know, I, I think some of the ideas will be better than others, but this was a fun way to start, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I, I wouldn't say it's revolutionary, but it's enjoyable. So I definitely think this first story, Puzzles, was uh, definitely uh, a nice way to kick off the Waypoint comic. And it led then into a comic called Daylily, a TOS story, uh, and, and it featured solely Uhura, which, uh, I don't know, what did you guys think of this one? This one I found really fascinating. Like I didn't know where the story was going to go, and I didn't realize it was going to be such a... I guess small story, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. It's it's just a very small, sweet little tale, really. And uh, also, I have to say, the artwork is really beautiful in this one. Uh, we get this, basically, it's a story of Uhura on this planet, separated from the rest of the landing party, and she encounters an alien. Uh, they connect on some kind of level. Uh, they They can't really communicate with each other, but... You know, they shelter down during a storm and, and survive the night and then Uhura beams up. And and that's that's the entire story. But it's beautiful and it's it's really kind of sweet. I really like this one. I did too. Uh the author of this story is also the artist, so this is very much a visual story. There isn't a whole lot of dialogue. So it, it makes sense that the person who is the artist behind it is also writing it. I found it interesting that she finds this creature, alien, and she approaches it as if it's an animal and not an intelligent being. And I just thought that was interesting because it or it just made me think that, you know, when you're going to all these planets, you do not know if something is intelligent or not. And you and it's almost like she made the assumption because she's like, you know, Easy there, big guy. Well, you're not going to say that if you're approaching an intelligent being. And I, she just made the assumption that it wasn't, which I thought was interesting because when you are visiting these planets, how do you really know unless you try at first to communicate with it? And then she starts trying to teach it to talk like her, to speak in her language in English, which I thought was interesting for a communications officer to do. I would think she would be trying to learn its language. So that's not a criticism. It's just, just made me start thinking about like, is that really what she should be doing? But it was a sweet story. And then again, uh, how it ends, she's no longer there. And boy, that's a prime directive violation right there too. So there's a lot of things in there. It's like, okay, uh, maybe we should learn to handle things a little differently. It was interesting in, in the story. Um, it, it did seem a little bit like a Star Trek princess story. You know, the princess gets lost in the woods and she meets a friendly like woodland animal and they help each other through the night. And they start to learn how to talk to each other. And then the princess is able to leave. Like, that's kind of what it seems like. Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's really cute. It's very sweet. And it's, it's beautifully uh, done art-wise. But the story is, is very strange to me for it to be the, the second part, you know, the B-side of the comic here. And... I don't know. I, if that had been 
you know, the only story in this, I, I probably wouldn't be excited to pick up any more of these just because it, it, it doesn't grab you. Like the story doesn't grab you. Art is beautiful. And, and the story is, again, it's very cute, but like you said, Bruce, it, it seems a little bit odd because, you know, you start to think about like, uh, prime directive and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, um, I don't know it I I wasn't thrilled with the story in the sense of like it it didn't doesn't bowl me over but I think a lot of people are going to love it so that's just my own like personal opinion and, and uh, I, I think a lot of people are really gonna enjoy it and I already saw some people on the Babel conference over there our listeners only discussion group which you can find uh, on Facebook uh, just type Babel into that search field there and you'll find it and we'll let you write in people were already saying that they really liked the Uhura story. So uh, I think it's going to make for some interesting conversations with the uh, once the episode comes out for sure. It's almost like a Pixar short. You know, when you go to see a Pixar yes, movie? Yes, Totally, like, yeah, absolutely. Put, That's a put, great way yeah, of putting put it. this right before, like, Star Trek Beyond comes on the screen and you have, like, this little short, like, of Uhura doing this stuff. So it would be kind of cute like that. That, w- that would actually, like, if they actually did have a little cartoon and animation of Uhura at the start. That's cool. Yeah, I like I really like thinking of it that way. That's cool. Aaron Harvey would like an animated Star Trek. There you go. There totally. you go. Yeah. Well, uh so if you guys, you know, had to rate because I think this is kind of important. It's the beginning of a new series, uh issue 1. Well, what would you guys rate this one? That's a tough question, especially with it being the first uh issue. Not a lot to compare it to um I I I have to say I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I would give it one massive cube-shaped futuristic Starfleet ship. Mm-hmm. I really that liked blow it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it too, um, just because of seeing a different version of the Next Generation with Geordi as captain and the uniforms and and the and there was a good Star Trek story. And as we were saying about the Yohora story, I. I thought you know it was it was a nice little bookend to the to the comic so um i would give it four holographic datas out of five um i I like this one i think it's a solid start i'd I'd say it's an average start uh for me it's it's three out of five enterprise f's maybe uh we're not sure so, uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it's a it's a solid start and I'll be interested to see where they go in the future and the stories that they do. Uh, obviously, this this comic we already know is going to feature such things as a gold key homage from Dayton Ward and Kevin Dilmore, which I, I'm beyond excited for. So with that kind of thing in mind, I think this could be a really fun comic and I'm excited to see what comes next. So, With the way you said Enterprise F there, I just want to say I absolutely picture the hull NCC-1701-F dot 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 question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, god. The F ship, uh, huh? <laughs> the, yeah. Um, I got to have one, like I guess. Like the F troop. <laughs> you know, so plenty of letters left in the alphabet. As everybody knows, a couple of weeks ago, we had John Jackson Miller on to preview the Prey series, which was really exciting. Of course, you can check and find the show on iTunes at iTunes.com slash TrekFM. You can look up the show we just did a few weeks ago. And of course, uh, while you're there, hit us up with a star rating and review. That'll really help. We're really excited to dig into Prey Hell's Hearts. 
And we just want to remind everybody that that did come out this week. So make sure you pick up your copy because we're going to be reviewing this on our very next episode, 165. It'll be coming out not the next week, but the next week because we'll have our bye week coming up. So really excited, though, to dig into this. And Bruce, you were saying on the other side of the page, you've already started to dig in. Yeah, there's like an act one, two, and three. And I just finished act one as of this recording. But by the time the show drops, I'm sure I'm done with Act 2. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I can't wait to, to jump into the series and to talk about it with you guys. And then, of course, we'll have John Jackson Miller on in December to talk about the entire thing because we wanted to free him up and allow him to have full access to all spoilers for the series and not feel like he couldn't say anything and really dig into the heart of this story. So I'm excited for that. Um, guys, uh, another place that uh, I think people should really visit uh, while they're uh, listening to Literary Treks is probably our Goodreads group. And uh, Dan, tell them a little bit about why they should go over there. Absolutely. Well, on our Goodreads group at goodreads.com, just search for Literary Treks. There you can find, uh, we have organized into a bunch of bookshelves uh, different books, first of all, that we've read in the past. You can join discussions there about all of those, as well as what's coming up in future episodes. And so you can keep on top of what you should be reading to follow along with us here on Literary Treks. And of course, there are discussions happening there about any book, anything and everything to do in the Star Trek universe, books and comics. We talk about it all. Yeah, it's definitely a great place. And you're, if you're wanting, you know, I, I know specifically you've seen this question before, uh, to know what's coming up on the show, there is the currently reading section, and those are the books that are coming up. And usually it's about a whole month's worth of reading of what's coming out. So uh, as you can see, we're very busy reading Star Trek books and comics each and every month. So I hope you'll check that out, and that way you can keep up with the show. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Trek FM, uh, and of course we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. And then if you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can go to speakpipe.com slash Trek FM. And then of course, sending us an email is a great way too. go to trek.fm slash contact. You can choose the show, choose literary tracks, and that'll come to Dan, Bruce and I, and we'll be able to correspond with you that way. If you have a more in-depth discussion, uh, then maybe, you, you know, even Facebook might allow. So guys, um, I don't know. What do you, you think? We might just jump into the feature and talk about a little time lock. Sounds good. Let's do it. Sounds like the perfect time. Guys, I'm really excited that uh, this week we're going to be covering a brand new DTI book. That's Department of Temporal Investigations, for those that aren't in the know, uh, because Christopher L. Bennett has a brand new ebook that has just come out called Time Lock. That's the one with the weird blue thingy cover. Uh, anyway. I noticed it wasn't in TARDIS blue, which I was a little disappointed about because there's actually a Star Trek TARDIS in this book. So Yes, bigger on the inside than the outside. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I hear. I mean, I've never been inside one. I've only been on the outside, not the inside. I'm always on the outside looking in. <laughs> not only that, but also we have something that's slower on the outside than the inside, which is an interesting take on this story for sure. So... Wait a minute, I thought it was slower on the inside than the outside. Because remember, right. the outside's <laughs> going faster, and that's how... So yeah, it's very confusing. I mean, let's just let's just be up front. Maybe we should even just talk about that. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think? Because this book is all about time. And the title of the book, Time Lock, actually really means something in here, because 
Luxley is in the Eurydice time vault, and that's when this kind of Star Trek TARDIS shows up and begins emptying soldiers and somebody just trying to steal certain things from the time vault. So they activate the time lock. A lot of time stuff. Just, just time everywhere. It, just put time in front of something and, and it's a new thing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, like a you know, time toaster or, you know, time iPad. Who knows? It's like, it's uh, like old sci-fi. So anyway, they just put space in front of everything. It, yes, this exactly. Is the, this is the new one. This is the 21st century version of that. Oh, gosh. So the time lock itself creates a time dilation inside the time vault so that time slows down inside the vault, but outside the vault, it's running at normal speed. So depending on how long you stay in there, it could be hours for you and days for the outside. Before you know it, it could be a millennia outside because of the way time keeps slowing down inside the time vault. So did your head explode <laughs> with all of the time? With, with stuff? all that explanation you just did, it did feel like time just slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably sure it did. Everybody turned this podcast off. There's like, I don't know what the heck Matt's talking about, but he must be drinking too much tonight. <laughs> I will oh. say, oh, I'll just go right into it, but I, I, I loved it. I really did. Because I love the idea that you have all these artifacts that, that, that all do something different with time. And how do you prevent them from being used? And that is have them locked down in this in this vault and have time slow down so that and it keeps getting slower and slower and slower. And it gives everybody on the outside a much gives them a lot of time, actually, to figure out what to do. But it's happening really fast to those who are inside the time vault. So I thought that was really cool. I liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a, as a concept, I thought this was a really cool way to tell the story. And, you know, as this idea is being introduced and you realize what's happening, I, I love the sense of scale of it. Like, I love that, you know, this really could go on for a millennia or millions of years or, or even longer, you know, if, if worst came to worst kind of thing here. Uh, so it's, it's a, yeah, it's a really cool way to tell this story and a really neat way to arrive at, you know, the ultimate solution to the plot. So uh, kudos to uh, Christopher Bennett for thinking this up in the first place, because it's pretty cool. Well, and it, it is one of those stories where Technobabble runs amok, because, you know, we are talking about all these different things about time, and it is also, I'd, I'd say, an, an ebook story that I had to read a lot slower than I normally do these ebooks, just so that I could read every single word because you couldn't miss the explanation of what's happening because what we're talking about here there's a lot of science behind it and there is some realism to it uh, of the idea of the relativity of time and all that stuff that's happening and so it it will I mean it, it legitimately could make your head hurt uh, the, the the all of the time things. And, and so you, it is something that you can't just blaze right through. You're going to have to pay attention or you're going to miss story points very quickly because there's just a lot going on and not a lot of time because this is only on my iPad, 58 pages. So there's not a lot of space for him to tell the story. So he has to be very judicious with what he does tell you. 
And because there's so much time babble, time babble happening, that he really has to spend a lot of time of the story to tell you about that, to make the story seem plausible. It's not bad. It's just, it's definitely a story you have to pay attention to, which I think in some ways is good, you know, because uh, you get kind of invested back into the characters, especially, you know, for me, I don't care too much about the other characters, really. Uh, but Dolmer and Luxley are still very fascinating people that I really enjoy reading about. Yeah, it's really, that's one thing about these uh, DTI stories that has always really impressed me is Dolmer and Luxley. I think Christopher Bennett timed it out. They have a total of about three and a half to four minutes screen time, something like that in Trials and Tribulations. And from that, he's crafted these really cool, well-rounded characters that have very distinctive personalities and are a lot of fun to read about. I'm thinking specifically, there's one part near the beginning that I absolutely loved where Luxley makes a joke. And it's basically because Dolmer has left and gone to this other field office to work that he realizes, oh, Dolmer was the guy that made the jokes. So I have to compensate for that deficiency and crack a joke here. And I was just thinking like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Like it's just that that type of character. And that was perfect. I laughed out loud at that. I thought that was great. I love that idea of thinking of them as being like Sheldon and Leonard from the Big Bang Theory. Totally. That would actually be fun. Actually, it'd be funny if you actually did a Big Bang Theory story just like this. Just, I don't know. It'd be. Isn't every episode just like this? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but no, I think you guys are absolutely right. Um, the, the way in which the characters interact, and even though they're not in the same place at the same time in this story, it still works. And. You know, I, I think it's really interesting because where the story leaves off, it almost makes me seem like it's time for a new DTI novel, not just ebook, because the story that we seem to be setting up here that could continue from this mm-hmm. really, I think, deserves an entire novel to explore and not just a string of ebooks, unless it's maybe what they did with peter david series the return where they broke it up into three ebooks but it was really just novel size uh, that's what i i would if they're going to do it that's what i would like to see uh, but i really would just love to have a full-on novel about where they go next because the storyline that they're setting up here is really fascinating and it's the characters i'm really enjoying seeing it. and I, who would have thought that dolmer would find his penny <laughs> totally yeah absolutely that was that was something that I thought was kind of neat. Uh, Dulmer kind of moving on in his life and finding this new love and that kind of thing was a really cool way to show the difference in the time flow between the inside and the outside because, you know, Lexley's trapped in there with, uh, with the director and, and some other agents and stuff. And it's only a couple hours at most kind of thing. And meanwhile, outside, Dulmer has met someone, fallen in love, gotten engaged, and all of this has happened during this same crisis. I, I, you know, there's just a really neat way to illustrate uh, exactly what that difference is. Well, he came off of a divorce, so he's by himself again, and now he's got this new assignment, this new job, and he meets this woman, and she's perfect for him because, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time. And he's got 
you know, a serious career going on. And that's one of the reasons why his marriage failed is because he was spending all his time doing these assignments and going in and out of time and different placements in the timeline. Boy, we are going to say time a lot in the show, aren't we? So we already have. I, I, If you took a drink every time we said time already, <laughs> you'd be dead, I think. <laughs> or you think this is the best show you ever heard. That's true. <laughs> Because it is the best show they ever heard. What are you talking about, Bruce? <laughs> well, that's true. But she was, but she's very accommodating because she has two other husbands. You know, Denobolians have all these, you know, mates and all these husbands and wives and things. And so she doesn't need him to be around all the, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm, there, took a sip. I, so, I dare you to try and go like five sentences without saying it. <laughs> That's your challenge right now. <laughs> okay. But, it, but so she's the perfect mate for him and uh, he doesn't accept her right away, but eventually they, you know, get together. I mean, I don't mean they get together like, you know, we something graphic or something going on. They just, you know, they have a relationship. I, I mean, they probably do get together. We just don't see it on the page there what's interesting here is i think this is the one part of the story where i wanted more because the accelerated nature of the story uh because the outside time is different than the inside time you have um a lot going on for dolmer and a lot less going on for luxley and i think it it would have been great to have a little bit more page count with Dolmer and telling that story of him kind of coming into his own deciding really to be in this relationship uh, and seeing that blossom a little bit more would have been really nice uh, because it does feel I mean you there's no surprises in in this book in that sense like you know exactly what's coming Mm -hmm. you know it's going to happen you know it it, but it would have just because of that, it would be nice to see it unfold and unfurl a little bit more than we do. Uh, just then it be like, oh, well, I I know what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, you know, one of the drawbacks of having this story be this short. And yeah, it would be kind of cool if it was a novel length and you can really kind of almost experience that passage of time while you're reading it as opposed to kind of being told what's going on and, and, and having it happen kind of that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, what he does with the page count, I think, uh, is pretty good. Like, he does a really good job getting that idea across. The other thing that I wanted to mention that I just absolutely loved, I know know some of this just turns into me saying, oh, I really like this part. But I loved when uh, Luxley sent the message to Dolmer. (laughs) There was a little pause, and then he went, happy birthday. And he had to yes, get that right yes. within like something like fifteen seconds to get that to him at the on the right day kind of thing. I I thought that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, he did His, his calculation, knew exactly when it was going to hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really interesting because Dare from Aegis, and that's what we find out. It's the big mystery in the book. So, spoiler alert! Obviously, we're going to spoil the book because we're talking about a new release, but it shouldn't take you too long to read. I was really interested in that. But was more interesting to me was this whole idea that her goal seems to be to be able to willingly change time for some serious injustice that she's trying to fight. And the, the idea that this brought up to me, because 
Luxley says, but for every injustice that you change, you just create another injustice. And so it seemed to me a really great dichotomy there of, you know, you have the ability to do something, but should you be doing something? Because can any finite brain understand all the ramifications of what it means to change time and therefore change billions upon trillions upon quadruply whatever the number is? Basically, changing the entire universe for, for one thing that it, it comes down to. And just how dangerous that power is and why this is so important. It's not about just the purity of some timeline that we think is the most important. It's, it's trying to preserve that and because, again, no finite brain can understand what it means for all of time to be changed. And I thought that was a really interesting... Like, it's not a huge theme, but it comes out there at the end. And I thought, wow, that's a that's a big question, you know, because unless you're uh, an infinite God, then you probably shouldn't be playing with time at all. <laughs> yeah, because you never know what's going to happen. You might try to prevent something from happening by changing the timeline, but then something even worse could come out of that. And you can have all these different timelines going on and if any if the dti had to set it back do they take it back to the original timeline or do they pick the less disastrous timeline <laughs> i mean there's just it it really is a slipper slippery slope and if anything don't change the timeline because you're just getting yourself into a bigger mess than what you probably originally had in the first place it really reminds me of uh, Anorax, the Krenum guy from Voyager. Yes, I was just thinking that. All his that. various timelines and stuff and, you know, everything he was trying to do to basically get his wife back. And, you know, that was this unforeseen consequence and you never know what's going to happen. And also I was thinking of, uh, as you were talking there, Bruce, the first Temporal Investigations novel where basically they're trying to bring Janeway up on charges for changing the timeline and they get the future people that are basically like, no, 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 trust me. She did fine. Just leave her alone kind of thing. You know, like the less disastrous timeline or the correct one. What's, what's the right answer there? Time. Stop. <laughs> As Janeway would say, um, no, I just thought that was fascinating to me and in a really interesting way to, um, I think end the book because this, this whole thing about this advanced mysterious race, you know, the, and everything that Dayar is trying to do, we don't find out enough about that. And, like, that's the thing that I want so much in this book is to find out what's really going on and who's behind all this. And that's the only downfall I really find in the book, and it's the thing that really kind of bothers me about it because I'm just left hanging because there's so much I don't know about the story. Mm -hmm. And so I'm guessing that hopefully we're going to be getting a follow-up to this because if not, or if they just kind of leave this like a hanging chad, that's right. 2001 political joke yeah um i i would be i'll be really disappointed because there's just so much now about this that i really want to know yeah i agree with you completely there um 
I'm a huge fan of the DTI series, and for that alone, I want this to continue. But this specifically, yeah, this this storyline, I want to know who she is, what what her end goal is, what's going on here. You know, there there's so many questions that I think uh, I think a really cool story could be crafted from. So hopefully, we get to see that. I, you know, when I got to that part, and it was obvious to me that there was more of a story to tell after this, I thought I don't think Christopher Bennett would write a book like this if he knew he couldn't write a follow-up to it. I wouldn't think he would set all these things up and leave the hanging chads, as you said, Matt, uh, on this, unless he already has a deal uh, to, to keep doing another one. Or he's just very calculating, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to write it that everybody demands the next book, and they'll give me a contract for another one. That's kind of what I was wondering, actually. <laughs> Is this the TV cliffhanger that makes you have to, like, the show has to be renewed? <laughs> And then hopefully they do and, you know, don't just leave you all hanging like some shows have done or anyway. Oh, yes. I, I mean, please, let's let's not do that. Let's let's have another here, book here. pocket yeah, because, absolutely. yeah. Uh, and in fact, I mean, let's just have a novel at this point um, or, you know, do what you did with uh, The Returned and, you know, give us three books that all link together that were really just one, but you put into three. Or anyway. do put it in Waypoint. Hmm. <laughs> a comic series comic or something that would be interesting too yeah you know a dti comic book would actually be a really cool idea that's not a bad idea at all yeah and and maybe not just comic book but maybe dti graphic novel yes that That'd would be, cool. be good. i could see that being incredible because you know the artwork i and that's one of the things about these stories, especially when they get as technical here. I feel like artwork would really help mm -hmm. just to see what these things look like and, and give you some visual aid and all that. Uh, to me, that would be phenomenal um, as, as long as the artwork is better than the cover of this book, which puts me to sleep like a screensaver. So um, <laughs> I, it, it makes me want to ask you guys then the question, what you would rate time lock well i'm i'm trying not to let my overwhelming love of the dti series color my rating here because it's kind of one of those things where you get a little crumb every once in a while and it's just like oh yay and you eat it up and oh it's so good but you know there are a few problems with this book like you said there's some techno babbly parts that are a little bit hard to wrap your head around and i'm not really proud to admit this but there were a couple points in the book where I was trying to follow along exactly what was happening, but I just kind of had to go, okay, well, I'm not sure what happened there, but we're moving on. So, okay, going to the next part. Uh, so it, it loses a little bit on there, but it's still a really excellent story. I love these characters. I love these concepts. They're really, really cool. Uh, so I'm going to have to give this one Four out of five super secret time artifacts. Ooh, that's super secret right there. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I love the time aspects and I love the time slowing down quite a bit. Um, and the characters, I, I like that. Um, I, I actually like that. I did feel that it's almost like a tease for something else to come. So that, that sat well for me too. I'm just trying to think what. I'm, so I would say that I would give this 3.75 
seconds of time slowing down in a good way. <laughs> I, I like the story and I like what it sets up and, and what we talked about. I'm a little bit frustrated with the, the lack of full, I guess, resolution to the story and kind of the lack of some of the character development I would have wanted to see, especially on Dolmer's side. I think that would have been really interesting. And what we talked a little bit about, about the time babble. Um, I, I think all of that together makes this a solid three out of five Denobulan wives. So um, I, I, I like it. But I'm really hoping that we definitely continue the story so we can really dive in deep to... Uh, all the mysteries that Christopher L. Bennett set up in this book. Wow. Uh, look at the time, guys. I mean, I thought we spent days talking about this book, but it's only been about 45, 50 minutes. Did somebody activate a time lock when I wasn't looking? Oh, my. Look at my wrist. Uh, it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's. You know, it's, it's actually, you guys have, were in the time lock. I mean, I'm in 2018 right now. And there's a lot that has happened the last couple of years. And the Discovery series, you're going to love it. Oh, God. How was uh, Justice League? Who oh, won Justice, the election? Justice League was just as good as Batman v Superman. And the election was just as good as Batman v Superman, too. <laughs> Take oh, that wow. however you will. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Well, I loved it, but I don't remember anybody running that. I... Anyway, uh, so guys, so much fun talking about these books. And I, I really do. I love these ebooks because I love being able to, again, get that story in, in, you know, a few hours worth of reading. And I just, I really hope that we continue to get more. So I hope people go out and buy these. If you've, if you've never read the DTI series, you should probably do them on the show sometime soon. We've been doing the ebooks of the the DTI series so definitely check those out they've been a blast every time that we've done them uh, I, I really have never been like oh, I wish I hadn't read that you know like even though I rated this three out of five I'm still I had a good time reading it and I'm looking for more so I think that's a great sign so I, I can't wait to get more hopefully so crossing my fingers that Marsha Clark's listening to us so We've got some amazing associate producers who make sure that this show keeps coming to each week. I love Ken Tripp and Brandon Shabatola, Bruce Gibson and Norman Lau. Thank you so much, guys, for choosing us through Patreon to be the show that you want to make sure it keeps coming to each week. Now, Trek FM is a very large network, and there's just no way that we can make all that happen without the support of listeners just like you. And you can go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can help make sure all the shows keep coming to you. We've got some great perks that come with different levels of support. And really, honestly, any little bit helps. So just go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can become part of the team today. Now, Dan, when you're not perusing the streets of Denobula looking for that uh, second or third wife, I can't remember which one you're on now, where can we find you? Well, uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm at facebook.com slash Productions. I'm on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. I'm on Instagram at Kurtrats47 and on youtube.com slash Productions. And Bruce, when you're not sending that perfectly timed birthday message so that it goes through at the exact correct second, when can we find, when can we find you? That's kind of fitting. Well, I'll tell you when you can find me. You can find me today and tomorrow and the days after on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex 
And you can find me talking Star Wars on the Star Wars Report podcast. You can go to StarWarsReport.com or on iTunes for that. And uh, you can also find me in the Babel Conference. And you can find me on October 5th celebrating my birthday. So there you go. Nice lead into that when you threw the birthday thing at me. I'm a Libra. I'm well balanced. Hey, me too. I'm October 1st. (laughs) Are you? I am. Oh, this is perfect. No wonder you're so awesome. Your birthday buddies. buddies. Yay. That's what they're going to call you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they're going to call us. (laughs) Maybe y'all could get bracelets too. (laughs) Love a good friend's reference. Yes. So Matthew, when you're not celebrating a birthday in October, where can people find you? Well, uh, you can find me celebrating my birthday in July. But hey, you know, time is on my side. Yes, it is. Because I'm younger than you, Bruce. Well, we'll just put you in a time lock. Then we can all celebrate together. (sighs) That's true. That's true. We should do that. But when we're not doing that, when we're not stuck in the time lock together, Dan and I as... Actually, we should stick Bruce in the time lock, so then we can speed up to him, right? Okay, you don't have to point out I'm the oldest one. (laughs) Okay, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You can also find me on The Orb with Chris Jones, where I'm talking about Deep Space Nine. I also do the General Geek Show here on the network, The 602 Club. We just reached the official 100th episode. It was so much fun. Had Tristan Riddell on from To the Journey. To the Journey. As well. Sorry, I have to do that. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, To the Journey. It, you got it. I, I was sleeping there. There you go. Everybody get it in. Uh, as well as John Mills from Stage Nine to talk about The Dark Knight. That's right. We talked about The Dark Knight. And there was a lot of talking like Batman. So just check it out. It's so much fun. Uh, we talk about all things geeky outside of Star Trek. So, and, and as you can tell, we really do have as much fun there as we do here uh you can find me on aggressive negotiations as well with john mills where we're talking about star wars and that's on thenerdparty.com or you can find aggressive negotiations on itunes well thank you so much for joining us and until next time live long and read on what do you call that light reading to each his own number one <laughs>